It's Monday. It's September 12th. And the word of the day is furphy, F-U-R-P-H-Y, which comes to us from those marvelous idiom engineers in Australia and means a false report. Used in a sentence, the idea that Heath isn't doing the word of the day again this week because of a botched penis reattachment is nothing but a sinister furphy. I think it's only sinister if he got it reattached slightly to the left. (laughs) Right, no, right, right. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Michael Marshall, and broadcasting delayed from America's far centre and a bit abroad, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, transphobic trolls lose their safe space, Trump loses at losing again, and the UK reveals its one-in, one-out policy on lizards. (laughs) But first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight are my fellow Skeptocrats, Eli Bosnick and Michael Marshall. Gentlemen, uh, where does this put you guys in the line of succession now? Oh, God, yeah, no, I would totally be down for breaking off and joining Scotland. Sorry, sorry, I thought you said secession. <laughs> oh, see, and I'm hoping Charles gets the empire going again. See, we're different sides of the same coin, Marsh and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in our lead story tonight, in Windsor Change News, Elizabeth <laughs> Alexandra Mary Windsor, a.k.a. the Queen, a.k.a. the Q Unit, finally <laughs> waved her last barely perceptible wave of a goodbye this week before she shuffled off to the Great Palace in the sky. Though, given that she's lived a life of comic book levels of privilege and ostentatious wealth for the entirety of her life, by her standards, the Great Majesty of Heaven would arguably c- constitute slumming it. Right? Right, I can just see her now. She's just harumphing her way down the streets of gold, going, you know, it just doesn't feel right if you haven't pillaged it from brown people, you know? <laughs> a couple of angels are chatting. Man, when we tell people that there's like a place they can watch sinners suffering in hell, they usually like avoid it and question the system, but she's just camped out there. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking camped. Uh, Liz made it to the grand old age of 96 before her death on Thursday, which is particularly tragic, given that she was just four years away from receiving a congratulatory telegraph from herself. <laughs> uh, her death sees the UK come to full standstill for at least two weeks as we enter this official period of national mourning. And I've got to tell you, things are already getting pretty weird. So you know, weird. Like There are cartoons of psychic corgis being circulated <laughs> around social media. It's insane right now parliament is suspended just when you know there are no more pressing issues yeah. facing the people of the uk than the death of a celebrity nonagenarian she, she's a symbolic can you guys just symbolically give a shit come on <laughs> yeah like look i don't want to get too meta but as regular listeners to this show will know my bit for the past couple of years has been like oh i'm a monarchist i'm so loyal to the queen i cannot do that this week because the jokes i would write for our comedy podcast pale in comparison with the out and out <laughs> that shittery the British people are whipping out this yes! week. Oh yeah, no, we are in a very weird place uh, right now. Like The Daily Mail even reported on a cloud that it thought looked a bit like the Queen. That was news. <laughs> that made the news. Sporting events have been cancelled pretty much everywhere. The last night of the proms, the most British thing, and it, which ends with a national anthem, that was canned out of respect for the dead Queen. And even the Mercury Music Prize, uh, the ceremony for the final was postponed Uh, although the last one of those does make sense because the queen was one of the favorites to bring home the award for her debut grime ep lizzie dubs and the sovereign squadron (laughs) (laughs) also speaking of which uh, american media uh shit like 
what's going to happen to a dead old lady's dog's never going to be news alert material, okay? <laughs> I don't need that on my phone. If we ever needed to define not worthy of international coverage, that would be a solid start, right? <laughs> also, what the fuck do you think is going to happen to them? Right. Were you worried they were going to be entombed in her pyramid <laughs> along with her? <laughs> The people who take care of those dogs will continue to right. do so. Yeah. Were, were they imagining that the 96-year-old queen of the sun was shaking a big <laughs> bag of IMs into 85 <laughs> bulls every day? Uh, we're just we're just not built for this. Like we have seen the kind of public grieving that the UK simply does not handle well. You know the kind we probably haven't seen since Princess Diana died. And in fairness, I think it's a bit of an insult to the memory of Diana that the people who mourned her so publicly are now mourning the woman who had her killed. Okay, <laughs> so what are you trying to earn ETH points? Yeah, we well, he's only. Uh, look, I think we can all agree that the Queen had some regrets about how she handled the Diana situation. For instance, she probably regrets that Meghan Markle doesn't take more cars places okay. <laughs> uh, we've seen corporate tributes pouring in there's been mm-hmm. touching heartfelt black background social media posts of condolence from domino's pizza <laughs> from from the sex toy retailer Anne summers genuinely picture of the queen on a black background above some adverts for some dildos yep. um from arms manufacturer lockheed martin and, and also from the pest controllers rent kill and that last one feels very on the nose for a company that's specializing in getting rid of stubborn and costly parasites yeah. <laughs> well you know what maybe rent kill is just a fan of genocide martin oh, i think we can all agree <laughs> thing is thing is i i've got I have to hold my hands up at this point and say I've while I've got absolutely nothing but respect for Lizzie's recognition that her entire role in life was to wear a golden hat, cut ribbons with giant scissors, and otherwise shut the fuck up about everything. I'm absolutely not a monarchist. And bearing in mind that one of the last things this queen actively did was spend twelve million pounds of our money paying Prince Andrew's settlement to the underage victim of his sex trafficking case. Yeah. Right, let's see, I, I can't be bothered too much by the death of a person who has forced me to say multiple times, all right, David, I got that one right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, things move on, the UK moves on, we've already anointed a new head of state and official representative of God in the eyes of the Church of England in the shape of Prince Charles III, and this came as something of a disappointment to lots of people, because many had William Pegg to take over, although that's largely because, according to the rumours, many had William Pegged. But... <laughs> <laughs> And while we're busily going about updating our national anthem and changing our coins and our stamps and the official job title of every Queen's Council barrister in this country, at least fans of having Elizabeth in charge can rest easy knowing that there's a new Liz in town. Well, and we'll come to that go. soon. And on that note, we're going to pause for a quick word from our first sponsor this week, BetterHelp. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Hi, I'm No Illusions. And I'm Michael Marshall. And we know that, for many, the Queen's death has come as a great emotional trauma. Lizzie, no! And we here at The Skeptograd just want to remind you that no matter what you're going through, talking to a licensed professional therapist can help. The Queen Mother! Yeah, not the Queen Mother. And if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime. First of her name! Also, no. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Skeptocrat today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Skeptocrat. Heart of the ocean! That's the necklace from Titanic. Still! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
we're back. Next up in headlines in fan-fucking-tastic news. The worst website you've never heard of suffered a crippling blow this month in the biggest win against online trolling since the fall of 8chan. That's right, harassment forum and internet proof of the problem of evil Kiwi Farms is down. Nice. It's, it's so depressing that all the archetypal examples of what's wrong with our social system have such utterly stupid and infantile names. Like, won't right? someone think of the future historians? <laughs> Somebody's going to have to present a paper on this. Yeah. yeah Boop.netscape doesn't have the malice <laughs> it deserves. So, a little backstory here. If you've ever been talking to someone about free speech, and they do that like, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it thing. Okay. It's because that person has hasn't heard of the website Kiwi Farms, right? <laughs> Kiwi mm. Farms was a website specifically designed to the harassment, doxing, and bullying of women and trans people. It was responsible for at least three suicides that we know about and countless more traumatizing, life-changing events for its victims. Like, honestly, I could fill this entire story with just horrible, mind-blowing shit that Kiwi Farms did until even the hardest core free speecher would agree that it should be power-washed off the internet like the anti-Semitic graffiti it is. But we're here to celebrate its death, not relive its crimes. Yeah, no, it's like the last story in that way. Hey, <laughs> the Queen was not responsible for any suicides. Diana was a car accident. Thank you, <laughs> Marsh. Yes. Anyway, earlier this year, Kiwi Farms swatted Twitch streamer and trans activist Clara Sorrenti. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the term swatting, uh, swatting is when you make a fake call or send an email to the police pretending to be someone who's killed a bunch of people and is planning to kill a bunch more. And you do that in the hopes that the cops will then go to that person's house and murder them. Yes. Well, right. And one could reasonably argue that that was not the worst thing they did in that particular harassment campaign. Nope. From a distance, I'm not sure what's worse, you know, that it's so instantly plausible in your country that someone might be an active shooter, or that the police response to that very idea is so reliably violent as to be an effective way of outsourcing assassinations. <laughs> like, you do hear how you sound to the rest of the world, right? Okay, well, at least we know what happens to his dogs when Joe Biden dies, March, okay? <laughs> we wouldn't throw the nation into crisis. <laughs> fair, fair. They get to eat him just like we all want <laughs> Anyway, Sorrenti woke up with a, a literal police rifle in her face and thought to herself, hmm, maybe the organizing website for this shouldn't be a thing. Huh. So, at great personal risk, she began an online and media campaign called Drop Kiwi Farms that was aimed at the digital service providers that kept Kiwi Farms up and running. Because, and this is important, the reasons websites like Kiwi Farms exist is because of an extensive business infrastructure of assholes who are willing to look the other way. Right. And you see, this is why I was dead against including assholes willing to look the other way in Biden's infrastructure bill. Because they're one industry that's recession-proof, truly right, recession-proof. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I can see why Joe Manchin stood for that, though. It's really in his corner. <laughs> So one of these assholes, one might say the main asshole, is the website Cloudfare, which you may remember for providing DDoS protection to 8chan until they caused a second mass shooting. Yes, because one was not enough to right. lose their business. Yeah. Uh, they also provided it to the Nazi website, The Daily Stormer, until the Charlottesville riots. Defending his company's choices, CEO and man who I would literally kill with one of my three wishes, Matthew Prince, said, quote, 
Just as the telephone company doesn't terminate your line if you say awful, racist, bigoted things, we have concluded in consultation with politicians, policymakers, and experts that turning off security services because we think what you publish is despicable is the wrong policy, end quote. Yeah, this man literally released an official corporate statement on the dangers of ethics. But he thinks he's defending the right to shout fire in a theater, but he's actually defending the right to shout fire to a firing squad. Yeah. <laughs> in a theater, yeah. In a theater. Yeah. Also, like, I have to point this out. We do have laws about calling people and saying racist things. Like, it's not the telephone company's job to shut you down, but it is the police's job. Right, somebody's <laughs> is job is to job, shut yeah. you down. Yes. And in fact, I don't know if Matthew's heard of this, but sometimes the telephone companies help the police in those yeah. situations. <laughs> But as the harassment campaign against Sorrenti ramped up and got even more illegal, even Cloudfair had to change their tune. And after much huffing and puffing and a public statement essentially blaming Sorrenti if someone murders her, they dropped the website from their servers. Kiwi Farms founder and person who I would use my second wish to kill, Joshua Moon, scrambled to find other support for a week or so, but has now admitted that the website won't be able to stay up consistently moving forward. Okay, I just I got a text from Andrew here that says you should probably be using your theoretical wishes to like make them have extra asses in their mouths or something. Yeah, man, you can do whatever you want to their mouths after they're dead. I just want them to be (laughs) free for all. Look, I tell this story for a reason, right? Because if I talked to you about shutting down Kiwi Farms a few weeks or months ago, people would tell me that I was crazy and that I was setting myself up for harassment and doxing. But these websites, these monarchs of trolling are fallible. They rely on real businesses run by self-concerned monsters. And when there's enough pressure on those monsters, even they buckle. So... Yeah, I guess make that two racist beacons of white supremacy that died this week. We're, we're <laughs> on a kind of it roll, everybody. It all just everybody. keeps coming back to the lead story, right? <laughs> and in dismisinformation news, a federal judge in Florida dismissed Donald Trump's lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and her allies last Thursday in a decision so hilariously scathing that I kind of just want to read you all 65 pages of it on the air. Um, in the decision, Judge Donald M. Middlebrook summarized the stream of consciousness lawsuit as, quote, seeking to flaunt a 200-page political manifesto outlining the plaintiff's grievances against him and determined that, quote, this court is not the appropriate forum, end quote. Oh, man. If, sir, this is a Wendy's could be a legal yes, dismissal, right. this <laughs> is that legal dismissal. Also, it does beg the question as to what the appropriate forum for Trump to air these grievances would be. And right? can I vote for deathbed? <laughs> Ooh, two votes. <laughs> no one even cares. He doesn't even have a dog. Yeah. So <laughs> this all stems from a lawsuit that Trump filed in March against Hillary Clinton, James Comey, Christopher Steele, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, Michael Sussman, the Democratic National Committee, Fusion GPS, John Podesta, and no fewer than three dozen other people and corporations, including... 10 unknown people and 10 unknown corporation because for realsies, they're sure that a bunch of other people were in on it that we just don't know about yet. All for the crime of spreading false information that his campaign colluded with Russia during the 2016 election. Wait, wait. He filed against 10 unknown people. Yes. Like, if he didn't know who they were, how did he know there was 10 of them? <laughs> Maybe only the first 10 get punished. I yeah, the know. 11th mystery guy is like, nice. Nice. <laughs> So the suit also claims that the defendants falsified evidence, deceived law enforcement, and exploited their access to highly sensitive data sources, uh, no doubt while using a Sharpie to edit top-secret documents so that law enforcement would be deceived 
I'm sure. <laughs> he really cannot help accusing other peoples of crimes that he's committed, can he? Right? And furthermore, the defendants kept their sensitive documents in insecure locations where any one of the guests at my home might have found them. <laughs> <laughs> and they want to fuck their daughters real fast. <laughs> real bad. So, yeah, so the lawsuit claimed that Trump had incurred expenses of $24 million defending himself against those accusations and sought three times as much in damages. Uh, Needless to say, the judge told him to fuck himself sideways, but in that fantastic, I'm a judge, so I literally have to respond to all your points, but I'm determined to make you regret that fact manner that we've come to expect from Trump's lawsuit dismissals. It's like Donald Trump is dedicated to single-handedly proving the myth of frivolous lawsuits true. Yes, right. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not sure if anybody's keeping track of who's lost the most overall lawsuits in all of American history, so I don't know where Trump falls on that list. But if there was an impact factor that weighted the losses by how hard they lost, (laughs) I'm sure this dismissal would just be padding his lead. Uh, But the upshot is that if he keeps this up, he's going to get every lawyer corrupt enough to work for him disbarred at some point, and that's got to strengthen the herd, if nothing else. So on that bit of good news, we're going to pause for a word from our other sponsor this week, Policy Genius. Marsh, I can't believe you got put in charge of doling out the Queen's estate. Yeah, it turns out I'm like 247th in line to the throne, so it's kind of my thing. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, we're here to help with whatever you need. Um, So who gets these crown jewels? Charles, I guess. I mean, it's not like he's going to wear them. Mm, I wouldn't count on that. He is a fancy lad. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it's just at times like this that I really wish the Queen had policy genius. What's policy genius? Policy Genius is an insurance marketplace that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price on life insurance. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Options start at just $17 a month for $500,000 of coverage. Mm, I don't know, Marsh. Would she really be able to sign up? She sure could. Just click the link in the description or head to policygenius.com to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. Plus, the licensed agents of Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make the decisions with confidence. All right. Well, where do I sign up? Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes to see how much you could save. Nice. All right. So, uh, so, sorry, what's this one here about a payment to a friend of Andrew? Oh, yeah, no, I'll explain that one off air. Got it. I want to be a friend of Prince Andrew. No, you don't. No, you do not. And we're back. And next up in headlines in misplaced trust news... Several millennia ago, otherwise known as last Monday, (laughs) the UK was looking forward to a bright new future under the stewardship of its brand new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, who emerged victorious from a month-long leadership contest which ultimately culminated in a two-way race between Truss and her opponent, Rishi Sunak. Yeah, no, the key qualification was nailing the are you now or have you ever been Boris Johnson question. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I felt like the end of Squid Game was a little more lighthearted and sportsmanlike. A little bit, but yeah. I, yeah, I guess it's <laughs> penultimate round, yeah. I, effectively, this whole thing was an experiment to see which bigotry the 160,000 voting members of the Conservative Party held on to most strongly, their racism or their misogyny. And in the end, they voted for the candidate who was most often dressed up as Margaret Thatcher, because that's the only kind of outfit stuff that still fires up their septuagenarian libertarian loins. <laughs> yeah, who better to cleanse the political palate than somebody who actually sounds like the name of an overpriced mouthwash brand, Liz yeah. Truss. Who better to leave the conservatives than a woman whose name means your goose is about to be cooked? <laughs> 
So Truss officially accepted the mantle of uh, leader of PM in a speech on Monday afternoon. And the speech was so staccato in its delivery that I genuinely had to check several times whether my Wi-Fi was cutting out. <laughs> she, she just spent the whole speech vaguely and unconvincingly insisting that she was going to deliver. And she sounded like the text alerts that I get from UPS. <laughs> God, rarely have I seen a political speech more in need of a fucking applause light. <laughs> right? like, even her supporters were constantly like, do we, was that... Guys, is this a clapping sentence or what? <laughs> Just shouting from the back. Liz, love, can you start shouting out your punctuation? We won't be with you. <laughs> it was the speech equivalent of reading Eli's notes. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to Truss's announcement as the new PM, she appeared on the flagship BBC Sunday morning politics show to explain that she had a plan for tackling the UK's cost of living crisis and its skyrocketing energy bills. But... She wouldn't tell anyone that plan for at least a week into her time in office, which it all sounds a bit, you know, I definitely do have a plan. You just don't know it because it goes to a different parliament. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, in America, we actually call that strategy the Nixon. But yeah. Yeah. But but the thing is, I was cynical when she said she had a plan. But think about this. She was announced as PM on Monday. She was sworn in as PM by the Queen on Tuesday. And then the Queen was dead by Thursday. Was this Liz Trust's bold plan for tackling the energy crisis? Because like, if it was, you can, you can fault her reasoning and you can fault her grasp of causality, but you cannot say she didn't deliver, right? <laughs> well, right, yeah. And if you divvy up her fortune among everybody in the UK, that's like, it's like six and a half pounds each. So that's, that's not nothing. Yeah. Right. And if you divvy it up among the people who still support the monarchy, that number goes way up to yeah. just Charles. <laughs> yeah, he did gets it all 500. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, if Liz Trust doesn't deliver on her many, many vague and non-specific promises, we might actually have to worry about it for too much longer anyway. Because as The Independent reported on Tuesday, her first actual day of doing the job, bookmakers have already opened the betting on who's going to replace her as the next leader of the Conservative Party and the next Prime Minister. And there's already been a group of 12 Tory MPs uh, who are planning to oust her by Christmas so that they can replace her with Boris Johnson. <laughs> Okay, I think your country, our country has gone to hell, but your country may be stuck in some form of purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) And in polio, no, you didn't, news. It's almost impossible to overstate just how much damage not voting for Hillary Clinton did to this country. Right. Besides the decimation of American politics, the millions of lives lost, the irreparable fracture of culture, we can now add bringing back polio to that list as New York Governor Kathy Hochul declared a state of disaster emergency amid evidence of circulating polio in more than five New York state counties. Jesus Christ. These motherfuckers have turned the clock of progress back now to like before Jonas fucking Salk. (laughs) Right. Yeah, make America ventilate again. (laughs) (laughs) Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, Eli, how does not voting for Hillary Clinton bring polio back? Well, I'm glad you asked, podcast listener. See, toward the end of Trump's presidency, which um, not voting for Hillary Clinton caused, Trump realized more and more that public health experts were going to point out how he and his administration had mishandled the COVID-19 pandemic. And since Trump always has to do the worst possible thing for the planet, he decided to bombard your shitty dad with messages that he can't trust medical experts anymore. And as our special guest Michael Marshall can assure you, there was already a dangerous and widespread anti-vax infrastructure 
infrastructure waiting to accept these new idiots with open arms. Yeah, well, with open sores on their arms, but yeah, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> Can we at least appreciate how tactically stupid it is to tell all the people who follow you most to do the things that will definitely get them killed. You know, it's got a whole work itself out in payroll vibe going on there. Sure does. Sure does. Now, as a result, the number of people who have refused all manner of life-saving vaccines has increased dramatically since that happened. And thanks to that swirling combo of stupid, the United States saw its first polio case in decades this year. And thanks to the stupid that keeps on swirling, it looks like even more are on their way. Yeah, no, coming this summer, the summer complaint. (laughs) And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, but Eli, polio is the perfect punishment for anti-vaxxers. Let's just let sweet, sweet nature take its course. And yes, that is true. But sadly, people too young slash unable to get the polio vaccine for medical reasons could also get polio. And that, unfortunately, isn't worth it, no matter how many Trump supporters it might put in an iron lung. Well, there's a number, right? (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Past a certain point, the dilemma in the trolley problem becomes, are you sure this train has enough momentum to take them all out? (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That is fair. I stand corrected. Stand corrected. So yeah, um, if you or someone you know uh, didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, or hey, maybe just like student debt relief for the most significant climate change legislation in world history didn't really cut it for you, uh, when it comes time to make your way to the voting booth this year, do it so that your local kindergarten class doesn't get milk leg. Though, let's be honest, if the person you're talking to cared about other people, they would have voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, probably. And finally tonight... In fishing for a compliment news, if a toddler has a hissy fit in a grocery store aisle, but there's nobody around to hear him, does it make an impact? Well, that's the question Kim Jong-un has been wrestling with for the last couple of years as the world has grown increasingly numb to his nuclear threats and he runs out of meaningful methods of escalation, which is no doubt why he passed a new law that basically just says, and I mean it, wherein North Korea declares itself a nuclear weapons state, which it already was and kim also insisted the move is irreversible which he'd already said does kimmy think that the way one becomes a nuclear power is volunteering yeah. <laughs> also i'd like to come to one of those g things yes. one of the gig numbers <laughs> i want those now so normally we reserve the final story spot on skeptocrat for something a little more wacky and lighthearted than nuclear escalation but when kim jong-un does it even an increasing threat of getting nuked is still somehow farcical i mean it was definitely scarier when we had a president who waxed poetic about his undying love for the totalitarian sadist and saluted his generals but once he had a hydrogen bomb and missiles that could reach dc there was nothing else for us to really get freaked out about short of him actually using them Uh, And he still seems to realize that using them would mean turning his own country into a radioactive moonscape for a thousand years. So he's not going to do that. Instead, he's just tossing out hollow addendums to his already monstrous nuclear policy and then going back to wax his naked emperor hairdo. Yeah, he's just the guy at the poker table who's still trying to convince us that he's got a full house, even after we've called. And after he's turned over a pair of twos and one of those reverse cards from Uno. (laughs) (laughs) Right, or... Like he's he's sitting at a different table, not part of the poker game, yelling <laughs> yes, about right, how he's yeah, got a exactly. full house. Yes, you're playing yeah. Kino, man. Of course, that's not to make light of the very real threat that he poses to America, America's allies in Asia, and just life on Earth in general. 
So actually, I guess it is to to make light of it, but not to dismiss it, uh, because Kim's entire worldview is some kind of bizarre hyper nationalism that puts North Korea at the very center of global politics. When in reality, it's basically fucking China's frenulum, right? <laughs> and, and and the more he's forced to confront this reality, the more likely it is that he's going to nuke Samoa in a fit of pique. Yeah, don't make me mad or I'll punch this little kid. But, you know, in a super tough way. Right, yes, exactly. (laughs) Now, the crux of this new declaration is that Kim Jong-un is saying that the country's nuclear arsenal is there to stay and and he won't even consider negotiating to the contrary, which is all well and good if your goal is to win a shower argument about how tough and resolute you are. But it's terrible if you're trying to strengthen your bargaining position in world affairs since it takes away virtually the only incentive anybody might have to negotiate with your dumb ass. Uh, so, I, I mean, unless we reelect Trump, in which case he might do it just to gaze in those soulful eyes one more time. But yeah, <laughs> Kim Jong-un means it, damn it. And if you don't pay him more attention, he's going to mean it even harder. And on that note, we're going to close it out for the night. Thanks to Michael Marshall. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening. And please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money on our donation page at patreon.com slash just like the exceedingly long list of people that Heath will have to thank by when he returns on the next episode and whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like all those fine people if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes for your church check out our brother and sister shows the skating idiot scott alpha movies dnd minus and citation needed available wherever podcasts live we have just one last thing let's compliment that penis special thanks to the ryan slotnick of people dressed on mars he's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today which were used with his permission you should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by googling the only band called evil drafts on mars until next time catchphrase sign off Joining me for headlines tonight are my fellow skeptic rats, No Illusions, and Eli Bosnick. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> no, that isn't right. That was in there to begin with, and I was confused as to who was delivering that line. <laughs> right, yeah. No. I- I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Is Heath coming in just for the intro? <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.